Well, it's great to be here with you and uh, great to be worshiping here with you today. And uh, man, it's, it's uh, Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of you have had a little bit of time off, just some downtime. Hopefully you felt the relaxation. You've been able to drink that in and uh, been able to kind of turn it around and get ready for the Christmas season here that is upon us. I can't even believe it, man. Can you already believe December is here and uh, here comes Christmas with a roar. Get ready. And uh, so, hey, we were out this past week. I know I was out uh, this past Sunday, and we had Pastor Mark here preaching, and appreciate him, brought the word strongly here. And uh, one thing I love is that when we're out, we have such a strong staff. There isn't a moment where I'm nervous or worried about how well things are being cared for here. Just a great staff, great eldership, great volunteer crew. And uh, so I I know things went very well here. And uh, Appreciate all of that. Appreciate all of you as well. We were out um, doing something extremely godly. We were deer hunting, and uh, last weekend was shotgun season, and so I uh, got out with my uh, daughter Alyssa and our whole family. We go up to northwest Illinois, just uh, south of Galena up there, and uh, get out doing a little bit of hunting. So it was a blast to get out and uh, just relax a little bit together. And uh, it was like 75 degrees on Friday morning. That is bad for deer hunting. Great for sleep, really. You could nap all you want out there, and it was wonderful. So we had a little nap time there, uh, Saturday, our Friday morning, and then temperatures just plummeted, got down to about 10 degrees. We had nine of us who had uh, shotguns, and uh, we were out hunting there. Uh, we only got three deer this year. This was a little bit of a low year. And uh, my daughter, Alyssa, got two of them. And... Uh, <laughs> That is true, and uh, so she brought it, represented the female gender well, and uh, also was able to uh, watch her have that happen. I was up the draw from her about 150 yards, and uh, just a neat opportunity to see her kind of putting it all together and learning all that's going on and being able to stay still and, and uh, shoot directly and not freeze to death, right? And uh, Alyssa did a great job with all that and got a nice little four-point buck on Sunday. That was her second deer, and uh, it was a big deer, actually. I could not drag that thing out of the bottom of the draw. But I don't, for those of you who hunt, they always go to the lowest spot possible. So pulling that deer out always takes multiple people, and uh, so it was a great time with families. We rallied together and laughed together and, and uh, high-fived Alyssa because she was the only one getting deer. And uh, <laughs> it was a good time. So... Glad to be able to get away, glad to be able to take a little bit of a break and uh, appreciate you guys. Man, we are in a series here called The God of My Today. The God of My Today. We're ending the series in Daniel today, in Daniel chapter 6, and uh, we're looking at one specific statement. What does it mean that God is right here with us? What does that look like, and how do I walk through this life Trusting in him and leaning on him. And that's what we've been doing uh, as we've looked at these passages, Daniel chapters 1 through 6. We're closing out the series today in chapter 6. It's uh, really the sermon title here, Delivering So I Depend. This is all about our God. And he is a delivering God. God has a plan and he will come through. 100% every time Know it, your sovereign God is going to deliver. And uh, so how do we act and how do we respond with that God? Um, turn with me, if you will, to Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And our first point here, humble. And we need to be humble. You are most formidable when you are most worshipful. Know that. 
When it comes to Satan and a fear of you and who you are, that happens when you are worshiping with all you've got. You are most formidable when you are most worshipful. Expect the world to challenge that worship. and uh, Expect the world to stand up against that worship, have something to say about it, and try to drag you off of it, all right? So remain humble and remain worshipful. That's our first point here. Here we go. Starting in Daniel 6, verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And uh, notice it says, it pleased Darius. And uh, man, all too often, we choose to villainize leaders when they're doing exactly what they need to be doing, leading, right? And uh, this leader was doing nothing more than that. He was setting up leadership. And uh, may we not villainize a leader simply because they're leading, all right? And uh, quite frankly, that's most often a passive-aggressive form of, I didn't get my way, And we're stomping our foot, and we wanted something different, and so now we start to talk about how horrible that leader is. But really, he's doing exactly what he's there to do. And a lot of times, these things are subjective calls, and it's up to them to make the call. And we've talked a lot about leadership and sitting under leadership well. Part of that is allowing them to lead in the subjective calls, letting them lead. And it pleased Darius to do a little bit of leading. So he set up satraps, 120 of them, to be throughout the kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one. Now, we're going to have to remember where we came from. Daniel, he lived in uh, Judah. He was taken captive, brought all the way over to Babylon. He was under Nebuchadnezzar and then several other kings. In the end, he was under Belshazzar, who ended up, well, getting taken over that night by Darius, so that's handed from, he left Judah under Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, now he's under Darius and the Persians and Medes, and again, Daniel gets elevated to top dog, and everybody just say, God's got a plan, and don't doubt it, when there is a brand new regime that night, and somehow you end up tops, and you are nothing more than an exile, a slave, God's doing something. And the God was doing something huge here as Daniel got placed over them as an official. And uh, they had a goal, it said, so that the king might suffer no loss. Their job was to protect the king's stuff, his properties, his people, his money, all of it. So the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. I love that moment. Don't forget, Daniel's the one writing this, right? And he's like, there was an excellent spirit in that guy. That guy was a special man. And uh, yes, that was me, right? And uh, an excellent spirit was in him. And what's he talking about? The Holy Spirit moving in him in a huge way. God doing amazing work in Daniel, giving him insight that he would have never had alone but he had it because he was working with his king almighty. And uh, God had a plan. He said, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So yes, Daniel was one of three, but the king decided, hey, this guy is really good. He should be one among one and put him over everything. And uh, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. Why? Because they found out that he was going to become number one. And they're like, what gives? 
I mean, we're working hard. We're trying to get this thing done just like he is. How come he's going to be elevated and not us? We should do something about that, right? And uh, that's what was going on. The satraps were standing up against the fact that a prisoner was now going to be headed for number one. It said they sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. And everybody say, that's a big deal. Man, I'm just telling you, Daniel is being elevated by God. God does have a plan, but hear me, Daniel is worshiping his God in all that he's got. And there is a clean, pure, faithful walk with his king. As Daniel looked to God Almighty, Daniel walked it so pure that the guys around him are like, that's it. We're going to tell on him. What are you going to tell on him about? I, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't know. There's nothing I really see. And uh, as I look around, I can find no fault. And doesn't that just really make you hate the guy more, right? They're like, there's got to be something for crying out loud. And then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless, everybody say unless, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. You know what we're going to have to do? He's so faithful to his God, we're going to have to find a way where that faithfulness will be his undoing. Where somehow him being faithful to his God will cause him to be unfaithful to this king and this kingdom. Somehow we got to figure that out. And uh, if he's not going to do it wrong, we're going to have to set it up so it'll look like it's wrong, right? And that's what they're going after. These high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. And uh, every time they walked into his presence, a high form of respect was shown, even though they are conniving, lying, cheating people, right? And O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed. Is this true? All of them are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. They're like, O king, every single leader has come to this conclusion. Pray and ask only from you. No other god gets involved for the next 30 days. Is it true that all the officials and satraps came to this conclusion. Answer. Yeah, no, it's not. There's one who did not come to that conclusion, and his name is Daniel. Daniel is eerily not present in this little moment. And uh, hey, bosses, when somebody comes to you and says, all of us think, uh, dot, 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 uh, be careful. Make sure you know that you're really hearing from each and every person. And make sure you're listening wisely as you hear them share. And make sure you're not letting your ego get buttered up. And that's kind of what's going to go on here. They're like, hey, everybody should only come to you. You're so awesome. Right? They're setting it up. They're like, this is it. This is how we're going to get Daniel. 
O king, this person shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Man, if you read this and you don't hear them buttering him up with every phrase, you really need to reread it. O king who lives forever, everyone should just come to you. And it should be written down as a law. You know, with the Medes and the Persians, you guys are so good at making sure it always comes true. And uh, butter them up, butter them up, butter them up. This law then cannot be revoked. It says, therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Everybody say that's a bad plan. You know what he was doing, man. This just feels good. All my leaders are coming in, 120 plus people wrapped around me, and they're like in a big cheer, we love you, we love you. Let's make everybody pray to you. Let's make a law about it, right? This big celebration about how awesome he is, and he's like, I am pretty awesome. Let's make that law. Where's the pen? Let's sign that into law right now. And he ends up signing this document and making an injunction, and he forgot to talk to the one guy he would have made number one in his nation. And uh, that's a bad plan. And, uh, you know, we create structure in order to run and organize things. And in one level, he's a genius leader. He immediately puts a bunch of leadership organization in place, and he starts running a hierarchical structure to manage his entire country. And that's a wise move. Uh, but on the other side of it, he doesn't then go to that structure and make sure that he works down through it. And I'll just say this one more time. Hey, bosses, best way you can love on your people sometimes is to respect the structure you've put in place. And uh, for those of you who are in a structure, best way you can love those around you is by honoring and respecting the structure you're in. And to respect those hierarchies and those positions. Make sure you honor those above you and around you and below you. And he did exactly the opposite, and he missed the whole point. And he got drawn into something that was deeply egotistical. And, uh, you know, I told you this past weekend we ended up going out hunting and uh, when I walked out uh, one of the mornings, it was uh, before dawn, and it was pitch black. And uh, the stars in the sky were amazing out there. When you get away from towns, right, where there is no lights anymore, the stars just pop out there in the, in the dark. And a super cool to look at those stars. I stopped for a moment and was just looking around. As you could see, your breath just sort of cover up some of the star light as it goes up, and just amazing to look at the number of different stars. And it reminded me of a story. I actually came back home and got the story. Um, there was uh, one of our presidents, Teddy Roosevelt. Every single night, he would do this. He would go out, and he would stare at the stars for a little while. He'd have a couple of his guys with him. And then he would point to one specific star in one specific constellation right in the corner. And he said, you see that little star right there? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we see it, right? They did this every night. So you got to imagine after the second or third night, you're like, yeah, we still see it, right? And uh, yeah, we see the star. I got what you're saying. And uh, this was his quote, that 
is the spiral galaxy in Andromeda. It is as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. Now I think we're small enough, we can go to bed. President of the United States, man, we, may we never, ever allow ourselves to drift into, I am so awesome. I am so important. I am so big. I am so... It will be our undoing. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And all of God's people said, right? And Daniel's got that down and God is elevating him. The king, Darius, does not have that down at all. And it's going to cause great problem. Humble. That's the first point we have here. A simple question. How is your humility? How are you doing with that thing where you lift others up and care about them? How are you doing with recognizing and respecting the structures that you're in? How are you doing at showing honor as you come and talk to people? How is the Holy Spirit fruit of humility doing at pouring out of you? Know this, humility is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you've got to struggle with humility, you're struggling with your Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is wanting to do a work in you and you're fighting back against it. And uh, Lord God Almighty, may I please see you as you are and humble me before you, right? Humble, setting God in his rightful place and setting you in yours. Now we are sufficiently small. I love that quote. Number two, second point, faithful. Submission is not to be blind, but rather as to the Lord. Only follow a command that does not call you to sin before your God. Faithful. Submission is not to be blind. It's not just do whatever they say. Uh, not that. But rather as to the Lord. Only follow a command that does not call you to sin before your God. And this might become super important in the upcoming days, weeks, months, years. And who knows which way it's going to go in our country and where things are going to head. But I'm telling you, your job is not just to blindly follow leadership and what they command. Your job is always as to the Lord, okay? And uh, if you're being asked to do something that is violation against your God, then your God wins. That's the way it goes down. And uh, so let's dive in here to verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, everybody say he knew it. He knew. He knew that they were saying no prayer, no petition, only to the king, nothing else. When Daniel knew that that document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. They're like, dude, did you hear? I'm pretty sure they used the word dude back then. Dude, did you hear? They've signed a new law. No more prayer. Now what are you going to do? I'm going to pray. And uh, what do you mean you're going to pray? That's illegal. No, that law is wrong. And I will do what's right before my God. And so he goes to his house and he gets down 
before windows that look towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he prays and gives thanks. He will not be separated from his God. Will not. Man, that needs to be us. And there is nothing that will call us away from our king. Nothing. And we will worship him. And if prayer causes demise for us, so be it. And if prayer, preach, that's right, come join me, man. And And if prayer causes us struggle, so be it. We will stand by our God. And I love that Daniel knows. Why is it important that that's written there? Because otherwise we might have misunderstood and thought that he just didn't get the memo. No, he got the memo and he's going to do what's right before his God. And I love this. It says he opened up the windows and he prayed toward Jerusalem. Why? I want to write this verse down. 2 Chronicles 6, 34 and 35. 2 Chronicles 6, 34 and 35. If your people go out to battle against their enemies, by whatever way you shall send them, and they pray to you toward this city, Jerusalem, that you have chosen and that the house that I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayers and their plea and maintain their cause. I'll read it again one more time. This is a prayer being sent up as the dedication to the temple and the city is happening. And it's saying, Lord, if we're ever taken captive by whatever way you shall send them, and they pray to the, toward this city, Jerusalem, that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause. He is executing Second Chronicles 6. I am captive. But I will pray to my God. And I will look toward Jerusalem. And I will cry out with a plea. And I will wait upon my God who has a plan. My God has this in hand. And so I'm looking to him, not to any man. And uh, he prays toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees and he prayed three times a day. Why three times a day? Psalm 55, 17 says, pray morning, evening, and noon. And he's putting together multiple packages of prayer statement. And there are three times a day to pray, and he's praying toward Jerusalem, and he's crying out. Why? Because he is captive in a foreign country, and he is longing for God to work. And this is what he does. He follows through with the guidance of those of his forefathers. And... Uh, Huge thing going on as he trusts in his God. He got down on his knees three times a day. He prayed, gave thanks before God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel, making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man Within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And of course, the obvious answer is, uh, yep, that is a petition I made. And uh, just so you know, we've seen this several times over in Daniel, but kings like to be told what they've said, apparently, right? Didn't you say this? And the king is like, absolutely, right? The king answered and said, this thing stands fast. And uh, I'm 
Not sure if that was his actual voice, but it was something like that. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Of course I said that, and it's not going to change. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. They have done the setup, and now they have done the set the trap and let it snap on them. They have him nailed before the king with a law that he is violating, and the end result must be the lion's den. If the king backs off of this, the king wrecks his whole word. It's done, man. The word now becomes the Medes and the Persians. Usually they stick to their word, right? I can't do that. Got to do it. It cannot be revoked. And uh, so that's it. They've trapped him. The king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Please note, now the king's head is getting screwed on straight, right? This never dawned on him. Oh, this could be a problem for Daniel. And uh, what are these guys' motives in what they're doing by asking everybody to come to me? And uh, never ask these really important questions. Why am I not asking the guy who's number one in charge of all my officials? Why am I not doing that? And uh, the king got buttered up until the point where it was too late. Now he is distressed and he's setting his mind to deliver Daniel. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. We've got you. Now you do what you need to do. And we know what needs to be done. And we're holding you accountable. Get this accomplished. And the king is shaking because this isn't what he wanted at all. And a huge problem has come up. And, uh, you know, this reminds me of one of these commercials that was showing over the last couple years on TV. Uh, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. And uh, there was a moment where this rhinoceros is thundering through this open desert, racing at this little girl who's standing there. And she's just standing there looking at the, and the rhinoceros is getting closer and closer. The dust is flying up everywhere. This thing is clearly going to trample her to death, man. And as it's getting just about ready to crush her, it's probably two, three steps away, all of a sudden uh, some words pop on the screen. It says, trust is not being afraid. As this little girl is standing in the middle of a rhinoceros thundering at her, her hand starts to go up and it says, trust is not being afraid. The rhinoceros takes a couple more steps. It looks like it's all done. She's about ready to die. And it hits the brakes, skids to a stop. And she reaches up and pats the horn of this thing. Have you seen this commercial? I'm the only one who saw it. I don't know. She reaches up and she pets the horn of this thing. And it was not a very effective commercial, apparently. You guys don't remember anything about it. And, uh, right, she pets the horn of it and then it says, trust is not being afraid even when you are vulnerable. 
Trust is not being afraid even when you are vulnerable because you're not trusting in yourself. You're trusting in something higher and bigger. Trust is not being afraid even when you are vulnerable. Man, what are you in? What circumstance are you in right now that could cause you to shake with fear? Maybe there's something going on with the health in your life or in your family. Maybe there's a job thing. Maybe there's something going on in your family's interactions. There's something going on with a son or a daughter and someone is going sideways and Man, it could be easy to engage the fear right now and start to worry with all you've got. Hear me. We are called to trust. When? When we are vulnerable. Trust. Putting your heart into the hands of God Almighty and watch Him work. God's got a plan, man. And we don't always know which way he's going to go. And sometimes he walks us through the tougher circumstances of life because he's going to grow us or he's going to grow them something that God has a plan in. Hear me, though, man. Trust. Trust your God. Notice, even when you are vulnerable. Hear me on this. Stop trusting yourself. Down with trusting self and controlling circumstances. It never gets it done. Put your trust in your almighty God. Daniel had to take a stand. He was vulnerable. He was violating a law that was clearly written, signed, and going to be uh, upheld. And Daniel would not stop trusting his God and standing with his God. Daniel is putting it into his God's hands. And our trust is in our king. And uh, may we hand it to him as we face that next step. A step that maybe we didn't want to take. But it's where God's calling us. And we will walk with our king. It's a simple question. How is your trust? How are you doing? Are you recognizing your vulnerability? Don't cause that to turn you to fear. That's the wrong move. That should drive you to your knees in trusting prayer. Vulnerable just reflects how small we are. No problem there. We're worshiping the almighty God. And all of God's people said, man, may we lean on him in the midst of our smallness. Replacing our king first. All right. Delivering. Yeah, so we're humble before him and we're faithful. Now the third one, dependent. Stay true to your God and allow him to manage the circumstances. No matter what may come, watch God work. Dependent. Stay true to your God and allow him to manage the circumstances. No matter what may come, Watch God work. It says, Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. 
For those of you who are walking through the book of Daniel with us and you're like, I thought this guy went into a lion's den somewhere. Here we go. Daniel chapter 6, right? And uh, into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may God whom you serve continually deliver you. I'm just telling you, if there was one thing that could ever be said about us, may that be what it is, right? As he's talking about Daniel, he's like, this God whom you serve continually and you will not relent, may that be what someone says about you and me as they see us walk with our God faithfully, dependently, relentlessly, all for our King. And uh, he's like, may your God whom you serve continually. Notice he doesn't say whom I serve. This is your God whom you serve. I'm not with you on that, but I sure hope your God's with you because this one's going to cost you otherwise, man. And uh, may he deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that Nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And uh, then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. I love the statement here. He fasted for what? To whom? Right? He's wrestling with, I don't know who's in charge of anything, but I'm not going to eat anything. Right? I'm certainly going to do that right now. A little bit of sacrifice right here. Maybe whoever's in charge will see that and respond. And fasting, even for those who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, they see it as having some level of value in its sacrifice. And fasting, no diversions. What does that mean? We're not sure, but it probably is not things we even want to know about, quite frankly. And uh, probably a lot of dark that went on in those diversions. And uh, he's like, keep it all away from me tonight. And to notice the purity that is coming into his heart as he's wanting to try to see something good happen. Very intriguing that he recognizes there's things in his own life that need to be let go of. And it says, sleep fled from him. Uh, if you're looking for good definitions of having sleep problems, Daniel's got it all over it, right? And his sleep fled from him. Have you ever had those nights? where your mind is racing and your heart is beating and the sleep has fled from you. There is no chance at a wink of sleep tonight as you watch the clock and it's now 2 o'clock and then 3 o'clock and 3.30 and 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock. You start seeing the sun making things light and your sleep has fled from you, right? Now imagine how you feel in that. Remember what it does to your stomach? At least for me, my stomach goes nuts if I get very little sleep like that. I end up with this upset stomach. I feel cloudy-headed, right? I have no idea why we choose to stay up late. There's times where we're like, hey, it's New Year's Eve. Let's stay up forever. We're like, yeah, I'll feel sick tomorrow. That'll be awesome, right? I don't know. And uh, the sleep fled from him, and he's feeling terrible in it, and... Uh, He's hanging on and he's hoping. Notice I did not say he's praying. And all he had was, uh, I'll try to throw some good-looking things out there in action, and we'll see what happens. He doesn't have a God that he's worshiping, and he's not leaning on him and crying out to him and praying to him. But Daniel is. Everybody just say, but Daniel is. 
dude, Daniel is bringing it to his God. It says, then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. He went in. Can you imagine what that was like? You can't sleep at all, right? So you're laying there in your bed. Finally, the sunrise hits and you're like, enough. You stand up. You're like, I'm king. I can say when it's over. We did this lion's den thing. We're going to get this thing done right now, right? You get over and you're like, all right, let's do this. Open it up, right? As he cries out to Daniel, it says he came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. Don't miss that. He longed for Daniel to survive. He hates that his pride had gotten in the way of Daniel's life before his God. He cries out in anguish. The king declared to Daniel, it says, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now we'll say it with anguish, right? You got to imagine, he races his way over. Get it open now! They start to move it off. He's like, Daniel! Daniel! Has your God been able to save you? Now, in any good movie, there'd be a good long pause right there, right? And you're sitting in your seat, and you're like, and? And you're like, no, I read Daniel 6. I know the answer, so, you know. uh, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. And uh, imagine the king's face and body, right? He's like, Daniel! Oh, king, live forever. Whoo! Yeah, baby! Get my satraps, right? Get these leaders in here. And, and uh, Daniel says, My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O oh, king, I have done no harm. That's a really gutsy moment, you know? You're down in this lion's den. The guy could be like, what? Close it back up, right? You're in a pretty bad spot, you know? And you're down there amongst these lions, and you're like, I've done nothing wrong before God. Quite frankly, before you as well. And uh, you should say you're sorry to me. Right? This is a weird, very bold moment standing amongst the lions down there. And he announces, I'm innocent. The king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. He smiled at Daniel's forthright holiness before his God and said, this man stands holy and righteous. I smile at that and I am exceedingly glad. And uh, Daniel was taken up out of the den. No kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. He was vulnerable. Everybody say he was vulnerable. And he trusted. And he leaned on his God. And, uh, and the king commanded. And those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. And uh, man, I'm just telling you, these lions were hungry. 
and they were ready to bring it, and God held them back until the right moment. And those who had meant evil, God resolved. And those who were trying to steal worship from the God of the universe, well, God had some things to say to them about their lack of worship, and it cost them their lives. It says, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. So you have to remember, when they pulled Daniel out, there's a point where Daniel's like, yeah, there was an angel's, you know, it was like, they just weren't hungry anymore. And there's a part of where the king's going, okay, are these lions sick or something? Right? And then he casts these guys down in, and before they even hit the bottom, they're being ravaged. It's dead quiet down there. And you throw in the first satrap, and as he's falling down, the lions just start mauling him, and it's, right? And you're like, oh, okay, Daniel's angels did something, right? Now you step back. How'd you like to be satrap number two? <laughs> right? Think about that one. As there's 120 plus of these guys that are going to be thrown down there, and it's not going very well, he says, tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Note that he has not made him his God there, but he does say, tremble in fear before that God. That God is amazing. And then he says this about him. He is the living God, enduring forever. God is eternal. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. And he will have a kingdom that is eternal. This God is eternal. His kingdom will reign eternally. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he is right here with us, and he's doing amazing things. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Get this. This is a Gentile, non-Jewish nation with the declaration of Yahweh being eternally awesome. And everybody needs to know that. And if I hear you speak ill of that God, man, you will pay for it. God has a plan. And as he walks this nation into respecting who he is, he brings Daniel up through and he uses Daniel in that moment to allow worship to be centered not on Daniel, but on his God. Man, may our walk call attention to our God, not to ourselves. And all of God's people said, to our God, right? For his glory. Notice the last line here. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Daniel, he has prospered under Nebuchadnezzar. He has prospered under Belshazzar. He has prospered under Darius and he has prospered under Sirius. He has gone through king after king after king after king and God has a plan. Man, hear me. We worship and serve the God of today. He is right here with us. We have absolute hope in our almighty king. 
We are not alone. No matter what you are facing, God has a plan. God has a plan. Say it with me. God has a plan for your life, for mine. God is doing something. What is it? I don't know. You in your walk are going to watch God work. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before your almighty God. Allow him to lead in your life, right? Depending on him, trusting in him the whole way along. Let your God have his say in your tough circumstance. And, uh, all right. So let's just get a little bit real as we close this out today. And, uh, what is your lion's den? What is that tough circumstance you're facing where you may even be completely innocent in what's gone on, but God's calling you through tough circumstances? Someone else made the mistake. Maybe not. Maybe you're in the circumstance because you have. And it's time for you to lay that before your God and be done fighting. It's time to place your king first. Let's go to prayer.